0: Hi, this is Leslie from Try This at Home. Leslie and I are always up for a challenging conversation to broaden our perspectives. And this week, we're beginning a discussion motivated by the Rachel Held Evans book, Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again. We have pretty different points of view, so grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in.
1: When your day goes south, or your relationship gets salty, you need tools that will turn it around. With decades of experience and a variety of perspectives between them, Leslie Sleesman and Leslin Kantner bring you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating your best life. Together, they're sharing ideas you can take home and try. Each week, their discussion will zero in on one idea, one technique, or one activity that has the potential to make your life a little better. And now, here is Leslie and Leslin with Try This at Home.
0: Hello, 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 Leslie. Hi, Leslin. how are you? Good, good. I'm really inspired today.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. I have uh, a lot to say about this book
0: (laughs) good you know when we first talked about this book um i was very intrigued and we started a very lively discussion Yep. and then instantly kind of said "Mm, maybe we should save this because it's pretty good stuff
2: yeah and it's different from the i would say the quote-unquote normal stuff that we talk about but i think it still really fits
0: well, you know, it, it I I agree and or we wouldn't be doing this, but I actually even made a little survey amongst people I know about whether or not we should take this direction in our conversation. Yeah. And when when you and I started try this at home, it really is a series of conversations that make life better. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that anytime we can challenge ourselves to think more broadly, we're actually making our life better. And so that's a big part of the focus on these this series of conversations we're getting ready to have.
2: Yeah. So this book, Inspired by Rachel Held Evans, uh, came to my attention when the author actually passed away in May. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really sad because she has two young kids and she's only
0: 37. I know. Really sad. And it's very suddenly from brain swelling, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think she had an allergic reaction to some medication. And a lot of, you know, it was all over social media and even on some major news outlets, in fact, um, about her work and kind of, she was pretty controversial. But she was also really impactful to a lot of people. And some of the opinions that she had really, really intrigued me um, because they are thoughts that I've had and I have never really read them expressed anywhere else. So I had some Audible credits and downloaded her book on Audible, which I would recommend people doing because she actually reads it. So it's, I think it's always cool when you get to hear the author read their own book.
0: Oh yeah. The narration from when the author reads is always so much better. Yeah.
2: Um, So I, I listened to it in, like, a couple sittings, and I was like, okay, I need to go back. I'm definitely going to listen to it again, and I'm probably going to buy the hard copy because I need to put post-its and highlight and underline and,
0: like, lots of things,
2: and that's when I brought it up to you.
0: Yeah, and I was so intrigued because I have a long, long history of investigating religious ideology, Right. Um, at one time I actually considered going to divinity school because I wanted to be able to hold really intellectual conversations about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, as an adult, as biblically schooled as many people might um, expect me to be. Mm-hmm. And I wanna tell you, I'm a little afraid of having this conversation. <laughs> I've really had to beef up my armor for hate comment, hateful <laughs> comments. You know, and it's what's so sad is when I was reading about Rachel, in some of the comments on her website, there are people who say who yeah. have said that her death was penance for her challenging beliefs. yeah and that is so cruel-minded to me and hateful and so completely unchristian like yeah that it it drives a fire uh-huh. from inside i just yeah. it for me that fuels my um my desire to dive deeper and to maybe Maybe what it really does is it just fuels my need to behave in a loving way Mm -hmm. because I feel like I have to put more energy out there to compensate for the ignorant assholes (laughs) that make those kind of comments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting
2: because I'm actually a little nervous about talking about this too. And I go to church every Sunday and I'm pretty involved in my church. And still there's you know, I, I was mentioning before we got started that the Bible is like the most complex text that I know of. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to assume that I even remotely know anywhere near all of it is just completely false. I I, I know the tiniest, tiniest portions of it. Um, As compared to biblical scholars. Sure. And, and just because it's, I, I use this uh, sometimes like the, you know, the computer program Excel mm-hmm. is like massive mm-hmm. and there's so much that it can do. And so I'm always really cautious of people who are like, oh yeah, I, I am an expert in Excel. I'm like, are you really? Mm-hmm. Cause <laughs> like, if you use it a little bit beyond like its basic spreadsheet capabilities, like it's pretty apparent pretty quickly that there's so much to know mm-hmm. that you can't possibly know at all. Mm-hmm. That's a really um, good analogy. Yeah, and and so that's kind of how I feel. Like every time I read the Bible or hear a sermon, uh, I'm like, man, I really just need to know more because mm-hmm. I it's just clear to me that I don't know enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I just told my husband like a couple days ago that I was interested in taking um, some classes. Mm-hmm.
0: About you know, like divinity classes, or religion classes. Yeah, there's yeah. a
2: the Vineyard Institute has some just for fun, really inexpensive classes. Well, they're not just for fun. Most people take them
0: with a purpose, but I would take them just for the learning <laughs> aspect. We're such geeks, I know. <laughs> you <laughs> um, know, it's whenever you challenge the mainstream, right? And in this case, maybe I think what Rachel did is she challenged the mainstream evangelical community and she Explains that she and her family had to change churches away from her childhood church. Right. Because her ideas no longer fit inside that paradigm. And yeah. she didn't feel comfortable in that community any longer. Yeah. You know who else had to change churches is Glennon Doyle. She, mm. um, after her first book. And she she had a very long, if you haven't read her work, she had a, a great journey of faith and ended up divorcing and remarrying, but she remarried a woman. Mm-hmm. And that journey also didn't fit inside the tr- her traditional church structure. Um, and I find it sad that a faith community mm-hmm. is unwilling to support the loving energy of people who challenge the ideology.
2: Yeah, that is really sad. Um, there's a quote that I think about very often, especially when I'm reading things like this. And it's by Greg Glory, and it says, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. And to break that down, it's just... Basically talking about for the really important parts of religion, let's say Christianity in this context, in the essentials, we all need to be unified. And even that can feel tricky at times mm-hmm. because some people view some things as essential and others don't. Mm-hmm. But um, in non-essentials, liberty, and a great example of this is I've heard people um who have switched churches because of the music, the worship music. Mm-hmm. They don't like contemporary music. Mm-hmm. It needs to be hymns. and right. You know, that is a non-essential. Right. I do not believe <laughs> that when I get to heaven, God is going to be upset with me that my church listened to contemporary Christian music. That is just completely ridiculous right. to me. Um, that's where you need liberty. Everyone needs the the space to mm-hmm. kind of interpret how they see fit because it's a non-essential mm-hmm. um but in all things charity and that means you know whether you believe it or not whether I, i've my opinion fits with your opinion we need to show charity to one another and mm-hmm. love and grace and so hopefully that's what um will happen today with the people listening because we uh, I, I just hope that this really broadens people's horizons or you know to be very cliche about it um and just give us some grace, because we aren't Bible scholars.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I really don't think our conversations are debating the accuracy no. of any text. No. Um, we're really just, truly, we were inspired to have yeah. a conversation by her book. Yeah. And I, I might want to just say, if this is along the lines of something that totally... Um, triggers your, your psyche in a negative way. It's probably just a good idea to turn us off. Yeah. And not, you know, we don't want to be the reason that anybody's upset. Sure. But if you have an open mind or if you're thinking, you'd at least like to, to hear what somebody says, has to say, Mm -hmm. we hope to just really have you think because yeah. that's what we do when we're together we we just really have these great conversations that and it's not try, I'm not trying to change your mind about anything no, no. and I never feel like you're attempting to ch- try to sell me on something <laughs> right but we just really have these really respectful conversations and I I grew up in the Catholic church mm-hmm. I somewhere around the age of 15 decided that I was making up stuff to talk about in confession because it was a requirement that I go. Right. And I was a pretty good kid. I really you know, you're supposed to go to confession and, and and talk about your sins and from a little time I was a little girl, we were taught that everybody sins, everybody's bad. Yeah. But I was literally going to confession and making up stuff. Right. That's your sin.
2: You're lying. No.
0: Just I was, <laughs> I, was li- I was lying to the priest so right. that I could have a penance to sit in the pew. And say four Hail Marys in an act of contrition. And I thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. And so I decided I didn't believe in confession because even when I did do something that I could have confessed and I wasn't really, I I wasn't really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I was lying about being sorry, you know, and I figured that. The God I believed in knew that I was lying or that I wasn't sorry. So to sit there and pretend like I was so sorry absolutely didn't make any sense right. at all. Right. And so I became a pretty t- typical rebeller. And um, then I got married and I and I went back to church. And I we were living in California and I found this really fantastic parish that embraced a lot of different, uh, I'll say a little bit more liberal mm-hmm. perception, you know. Yeah. Um, at that point, the the church was changing a little bit and our confession was face-to-face, mm-hmm. which I always thought was better. It was just like having a conversation yeah. with a friend. Yeah.
2: More personal. Uh,
0: it was very personal. Um, and ultimately, Catholicism, at least at that point, became very important to me. And it was more the faith journey it wasn't catholicism in general
2: yeah
0: um and then my husband passed away and i had a conversation with somebody and we were talking you know i think i i went on this big journey about what why i mean why does a 23 year old guy with his entire life in front of him die and a new baby Yeah, and why did our son now end up fatherless, and why did the love of my life, (laughs) I mean, there were just all these big whys, and it sent me into a huge investigation, and I had this conversation with someone who said, well, what if, and we talked about reincarnation, Mm -hmm. and that idea at the moment sounded really intriguing to me, but Maybe more than anything else, the idea of what if Mm -hmm. sounded intriguing. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, I started allowing for the possibility of all these other things. Right. And that took me on an amazing journey. So my faith background, I guess, is pretty typical,
2: I would say, of most kids. Um, We were Christmas and Easter people, largely. We lived next door to the um, worship leader at a local church, and we attended there Christmas and Easter, and we went, you know, like periods where we went more than other times. I mean, I, you know, I think, again, that's like just so, so common for a lot of people. Um... And so I always really knew about God and Jesus and religion and all that kind of stuff. And it always made a lot of sense to me, certain parts more than others. But I, I always had like friends that went to church and would take me with them in high school and middle school. And I really decided I was making some pretty bad choices when I was like in my early 20s <laughs> that weren't really working out for me. And so I thought, all right, enough is enough. I'm, I know what I need to be doing. I For me... I need to go to church and be with someone that thinks similarly and so I I put it out there and met my husband and that's what exactly what I got and you know so we've raised our kids in the church and we're non-denominational right now we attend a Presbyterian church but that that's one of those liberty things I the denomination is not really that doesn't make a big of a difference to no not really we went to a vineyard church prior to that in Columbus And I still listen to that pastor all the time Hmm. on podcast. Yeah.
0: Isn't it interesting that, I mean, I think I hear this more from religious oriented or people who have some kind of a religious background that they made bad choices. Mm -hmm. I think we're taught, you know, I I just said I didn't have any sins to talk about. Right. We're taught that in religion that we are bad well, these were I think most people would think these were bad choices. Well, maybe they were but just they were, choices that weren't working they were, positively in your life. Well,
2: let me let me say it maybe a little more eloquently. They were choices that were going against what I knew to be true and good for myself. So I was good. I was doing things that I knew I didn't actually want to be doing and that weren't healthy for me, regardless of how religion or anybody else labeled it I knew for myself it wasn't good so okay yeah
0: yeah I mean we could split hairs all day I know, long i right? good that right <laughs> it, and I think the key element there is it, it didn't the choices you were making ended up not feeling really authentic to who That's you right. wanted to be yep yep and I mean at the end of the day I don't think anybody really wants to be ugly or unloving i don't think we have a deep desire to be that way i come Mm -mm. from the camp that we're we're born with in pure loving energy you know and i i went to a youth for christ conference when i was 15 in ocean city maryland and the pastor there i think we maybe even have talked about this on the air um once or twice but the pastor there told this really amazing story. And what I took home from that was that everything happens for a reason, Mm
2: -hmm. that
0: God has a plan for your life. And I will tell you that in early 1985, when I found myself um, a single mom and a young widow, before I was even 25 years old, I held on to this idea that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And my aunt, who's a Catholic nun, gave me a book called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really interesting because, of course, you know, I'm challenging God all over the place at that oh, sure. point in my yeah. life. But I still held on to this idea that in all things, there is a plan or mm-hmm. there is a, a purpose. Yeah. And that's kind of been the basis for a lot of my spiritual growth through the years.
2: Yeah, that's like one of the most common Bible verses that you see all over Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. I mean, that's I think most people if even if you're not like religious, I still think they believe that everything happens for a reason.
0: That's kind of one of those universal commonalities we all have, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And and it, you know, it's there's so many different ways to look at that. And I think These are the kinds of things that we're going to continue to really look at when we as we go on. And for those of you who are listening and you're quasi intrigued, we we have a a series in our head. We're going to spend some time really talking about inspired and then where that takes us no one. <laughs> That's right. What's the Star Wars um, into well so Toy Story into Infinity and Beyond. beyond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I just want to tell you there is like no good way for us to not make noise as we're ruffling through these books cuz we both have copies of her books in front of us so you're probably going to hear it. Yes, and we do have a little ruffle. Yeah. I'm not on. I'm not talented enough yet at audio editing to make that not happen
0: so sorry guys. <laughs> so you know the thing the, so the thing about Rachel's story really is she talks about growing up in this evangelical church right right so maybe it's important for us to kind of define what evangelical means
2: yeah which is funny because as we were looking this up real quick prior to starting this there's even like a bunch of different takes on that word itself Mm -hmm. um if you if you just want the you know the good old dictionary definition here it's an adjective of or according to the teaching of the gospel or the Christian religion. Yeah. And I, I think that's maybe what it's hard for me to say what most people think about, but I think I think most people just hear evangelical and think of a Christian. I don't I don't think that they think of it as anything
0: different. And so by that term, a Christian is somebody who specifically believes in the literal idea that Christ came to the world for the sole purpose of saving humanity from original sin.
2: I would I would say that it's they believe in the birth and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the salvation of sin. Yeah. For the
0: salvation of sin. That's sure. a really that's a very good way to say it. Yeah. It's my church jargon. Okay, <laughs> say that one more time just so people are really hearing this. So, I would say that it's
2: the birth and birth in human form, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ for the salvation of sin for yeah. all people.
0: Right. <clears throat> so yeah. now I'm just <clears throat> intrinsically needing <laughs> to define <laughs> sin. I know, right? It's a hard
2: one, but it's our pastor kind of defines it really awesomely, I think, as just kind of anytime we're choosing. Our plan over God's plan. Anytime we just miss the mark, mm-hmm. those are some ways that he would describe it. And that's very broad <laughs> and it's not so very specific. <laughs> but I think that goes back to the splitting hairs comment and the, you know, even back to that quote. Everybody is probably going to have a different, a different definition slightly. Some people might agree with what uh, my pastor thinks, some people might not. But I think, does it matter? Like, But see,
0: I and that's where I, I mean, I think it really does matter. I think yeah. it matters because there are so many people who hear one narrow idea or definition of that, and they hold on to it so tightly that everything else becomes wrong. Think... Not just a different view, but wrong. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't have that,
2: that you're wrong part very often. There are definitely you I, don't, I don't, right? Um, I definitely do feel like certain religions are wrong. I will say that, and that certain things are wrong. But in the same breath, I will tell you that I would never disrespect someone <laughs> for those beliefs, and I am well aware that the world doesn't revolve around me and my opinions and my ideas. So. Yeah. I think the bigger piece for me, if if you, in order to define sin, I think you have to, you have to believe in the Bible, um, and and that kind of lays out some of the sin. But I think it's really important, um, especially in today's culture, when, you know, people are picketing and rioting about all kinds of crazy stuff, that sin in the Bible is equal, in large part. Um, what do you mean? So there is no rank order of sin in the Bible other than blasphemy. All sins are equal, you're saying. That's right, Mm yeah. Um, And so if you, you know, view sin as if gossiping about your friend is sin, which it's not nice, yeah, you know, if you view that as sin, it's it's equal to any other sin that someone might commit. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't. I just don't need to, to define it precisely, I guess, because I, I, the the other piece is for me, I think the reason why I don't need to define it so precisely is because I know that I've been forgiven of it and I'm just trying to do better because I want to do better because I've been given a lot, given forgiveness, (laughs) you know? And so, I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing. And it's, it's so interesting talking to you about this because I just don't, I just have never really thought about it that much, to be perfectly honest with you. But I'm sitting across from my friend
0: who is thinking about it a lot. And I think that's just such a good illustration. Yeah, and and I will tell you that I have thought about this for, well, since 1985, really. And, yeah. in, and so I cringe to think how many years that is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I, and I've not just thought about it a little bit. And in that time... I went, I think I said I went back to the Catholic Church and then I met a man who was Lutheran and I thought, okay, well, that's close enough. So, you know, I became very involved in the Lutheran Church and I did a lot of Bible study there and then the pastor um, of that church went on a mission trip and came back born again and we gathered around him and started a new evangelical church. And I was part of the founding board of that church. And then, frankly, I think he just went off the deep end. <laughs> or I realized that I was moving toward the deep end and didn't want to swim there. Right. Um, and so we left that church, and we became part of the founding group of another Lutheran church in our community. And then I think it's just, I think I'll suffice it to say that I became deeply disappointed in the leadership of that church yeah and all along I was reading and I I would absorb I was like a sponge when it came to reading books and then in 1997 I read the Celestine Prophecy which was an old book still at that time and it started my mind thinking again. And so it kind of led me away from traditional religion in a different direction. And we'll, we'll spend some time talking about yeah. that particular journey. But it's, my views are not uninformed, but I want to make it really clear that this is just my perspective. I personally yeah. do not use the words right and wrong to describe faith. I use the word different. And my sense is that anything that is unloving
2: mm-hmm.
0: is how I define the word sin. I don't use the word sin. Right. But that's how I would define it because I believe God is love.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: And so anything unloving and gossiping would is be unloving. unloving. That's right. And if you're making poor choices about your health and your body then you're unloving right and so but why do we have to get all complicated about it i mean just (laughs) why can't we just say if god is love then doing an unloving action right is i mean why would you if you believe if you have faith why would you even i mean we do because we're human right and we are and this is the idea of original sin we're born sinners (laughs) right? right I can buy into it if we're divining sin yeah as something that is unloving right but to tell me because i don't know maybe it's all just <laughs> maybe it's all this just um linguistic crap yeah it, i mean there there is a lot of religion that gets caught up
2: in the in the hair splitting and that makes me sad and you you said something you know just a minute ago about uh, your your church and I think there are so many people there have got to be people listening who have been deeply wounded by mm-hmm. a church or mm-hmm. a pastor
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I, I wish I've said this before and I, I truly believe this and I wish that people would just find a different church because I, I view it as like an electrician and if, if you had no light in your house, you called an electrician and he did a super bad job <laughs> and mm-hmm. things were still not working and, you know, there's the lights still aren't on. You don't just say, well, that's it. Tried the electrician. We're done. No lights. We're living in the darkness. Yeah. You call you call another electrician because you need light. And there is a lot of people who have in my in my experience, who have tried a church, been hurt and said, well, that's why I hate religion. I'm done with it. And they don't even go so far as you have where you, I mean, you, when I, you know, when you were my therapist, you were quoting the Bible there in therapy sessions, like, you know, your stuff, mm-hmm. you
0: know, I'm, and, I'm, yeah, I'm an informed, I mean, I'm an very informed, informed debater here. You absolutely
2: mm-hmm. are. And, um, but they don't, I think they just give it up. All together. Mm-hmm. And that makes me sad mm-hmm. because, again, and I've I've mentioned this before and I'll say it again, it, I feel like religion is like a recipe. Like if mm-hmm. you try something and it's good, you want to share it. Mm-hmm. And you're not sharing it because you're, you know, trying to beat it down other people's throats or because you think this is the only recipe they can ever eat again. No, it's just you, it makes you happy and you want to share it because mm-hmm. that's the loving thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just trying to share.
0: Well, I think if especially if you – understand i mean i really that's probably what i do as a therapist right i i i have this knowledge that says if you do a b and c you're going to feel better right and so i share with you what a b and c are mm-hmm. and you're going to adapt it to who you are and if you are successful you're going to feel better and and i agree with you i think that I'm I'm much more inclined to use very very generic terms, sure, and talk about faith. Faith in something is imperative to overall well-being. We know that like sure. from a psychological yep. perspective. Yep. having faith in something um, produces higher levels of subjective well-being yeah. than faith in nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a statistical given. Yeah, What that something is doesn't really matter, to be honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> not in terms of subjective well-being. Right. You can believe in Mother Nature, mm-hmm. and if you have a definitive system by which that empowers your life or informs your life, then, then your subjective well-being scores go up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So being able to believe in something, and I think... What was really inspiring to me, and it's fascinating that she named this book inspired because I it has inspired conversations. <laughs> I'm inspired by reading somebody who calls themselves. and I think I, I couldn't find it, but I thought I remembered reading that she said she no longer calls herself evangelical. Mm-hmm. But I think it's mostly because associating herself, in the evangelical position doesn't really represent her take on the Bible.
2: So that's that's actually the first um, thing. It, and I got so far as the introduction of her book before I started highlighting things. <laughs> same, <laughs> um, same. But I think, especially in our culture today, we have been told that if you are a Christian, you are a Republican, you are pro-life, you are blah, 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 blah. There's, you know, we've we've been told all of this stuff. And and she actually talks about this. Um, and I'm going to read just a, a tiny hair of it here real quick. It says, positions I'd been told were clearly biblical, quote unquote, young earth creationism, restrictions on women's roles in the home and church, the certainty of hell for all non-believers grew muddier in the midst of lived experience. And the more time I spent seeking clarity from scripture, the more problems I uncovered. I think that is so true. (laughs) Um, And if you've spent any time looking into religion or reading the Bible, like there are some serious, like what the heck, (laughs) you know, that you uncover. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that was the most inspiring to me was just that she just embraced the questions and embraced the uncertainty and didn't run from it. Yes. She just said, okay, well, yeah, this is uh, like super concerning to me. and i'm gonna dig deeper right and i don't i think that that's a value that not a lot of people have when they come across something that is very uncertain or um worrisome they just like nope not for me and they scram (laughs) and she's I, i feel like she's a better person or was a better person
0: Because of her ability to dig deeper. Because she asked the questions. You know, she says, um, well, Christians tend to turn to scripture to end a conversation. Yeah. Jews turn to scripture to start a conversation. Right. And I loved that idea Mm -hmm. that, you know, and so many people say, well, it says in the Bible, blah, 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 blah. And they shut down. That's right. The discussion. Yeah end of story right whereas she talked about this big jewish gathering where they actually look forward to jumping in together and debating yeah the stories that's right
2: i think one of the things that people do who are not um super well versed in the bible or just even new christians and there's nothing wrong with this by the way everyone starts somewhere right Mm -hmm. is you just take it literally like you don't there's no other way to take it at first other than literally and it's so complex that I think instead of really taking the time to dig deeper and see the type of literary devices used or the context or what the government was doing at the time that this was written you know all this stuff like people just take it literally and then they use it as a weapon and that is not awesome
0: yeah you know what comes to mind Mm-hmm. When I hear that, yeah, I, this is scary. And this is what's scary to me, right? Mm-hmm. There was a tweet last week from our dear president who said something along the lines of if I'm not reelected in 2020, there will be a stock market crash of the likes that we've never seen before. And yeah. it's not, that's not verbatim, but that's the sure. gist of it. Yeah. If... Nobody questions that statement. Now, I'm not saying that a Trumpism is akin to the Bible, right? right. But I'm saying that when we read things or hear things, mm-hmm. it's critical to question them, to say, whoa, stop. And not even question, but just to let that absorb into your common sense. Yeah, yeah. Last year, I was standing in line at the Barcelona airport. hmm and two men in front of me were talking. And if you remember correctly, last spring, a year ago, spring, there was a volcanic eruption in yes. Hawaii.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. huge. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, I was in Barcelona, Spain, flying to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And there was a volcanic eruption in Hawaii. The man in front of me said, I hope this pilot knows what he's doing. I don't want to fly through all of the ash in that volcano. I think you
2: told me this one time. And it's hilarious because you don't even go that way. Well,
0: not only that, (laughs) but he said... So the man man that was in front of the man talking said, No kidding? And And the man... just in front of me said I understand the ashes or that the lava is shooting 35 thousand feet into the air and I stood there absolutely incredulous because nobody was questioning I mean the guy that was listening to this wasn't even questioning that and I and I'm thinking to myself oh my gosh I don't think it's Physically possible for lava to go 35,000 35, feet in near. air. Ooh. Now, maybe the ash, right? The ash cloud might be maybe that high. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But it's actually superfluous because we're not flying to Hawaii. Or, or not even over no, Hawaii. Or, not even no, near it. No, no, no. no. no so no. that kind of represents to me that we hear something, we read mm-hmm. something, and we're so disconnected maybe mm-hmm. from checking facts yeah i i was talking to a family member uh
2: two days ago about something um student loan debt actually is what i was talking mm-hmm. about because my husband i a lot of it mm-hmm. um and i was talking about like some ways that i could manage it you know whatever and um this family member suggested that the president was gonna you know really fix it fix student loan debt for everybody and i was like Uh, Do you know that he defrauded a ton of people with Trump University? Like, I don't think in my – I mean, I'll just be blatant here. I don't like the president. (laughs) Um, Really? I really don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think that a person that defrauds students from his own university is going to give a rip about the students from every other university and the student loan debt crisis that's facing America. And this family member that I was speaking to did not know that the president had once had a university. And this person is not stupid. <laughs> They're not mean-spirited um, or ignorant insofar as that that person is only watching and reading things that reinforce their own beliefs. It's confirmation bias, if I've ever heard yes, of it. Yes, and, and
0: that therein lies the problem, Right. right? If you... Grow up in a church that says this one thing, and you never question that one thing, even if you end up going back to it. Sure. At least you go back to it with an informed mind. I mean, maybe you go back to it having been educated about all of the other things. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can sit back and have an intelligent conversation. And back to that student debt, I mean, just... Mm -hmm there are billions of dollars in student debt. <laughs> yeah. You I think can't... my husband and I have half of that. But that's fine. <laughs> you can't just forgive that. It can't. It's And it's if... money. It it can't, there are banks that are supported by right. the potential of those loans. There are yeah. mutual funds and pensions that are supported yeah. Yeah. by the promise to repay those that's loans.
2: That's right. And, well, and not only that, I mean, this is like a tiny tangent, but I will just say I don't want someone to forgive all of our student right. loans. I took it out and my husband took it out knowing full well we're not stupid people right. that we were going to have to repay it. Right. The, pro- the part that I would love some government help with is the interest rate. Right. That That's the part that I think the government should step in and maybe throw us a bone with like some really great interest rates on student loans. Um, and maybe once it don't compound, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want a president to come in and say, poof, you're forgiven. Right. I, I, I knew what I was going to have to do. And my husband knew what he was going to have to do and we want to repay it.
0: We could probably tie yeah. this back into some kind of, that's the penance for the, <laughs> yeah. that's the consequence, right? We... Sure.
2: Okay. So we're, we're running out of time. If that's a thing for podcasts, well, you <laughs> we know. don't want to let it go forever.
0: Yeah, I think that we've really established um, a position, or kind of a starting point for yeah. where we're we're going to be taking this series. So I hope that if you've been listening, you're intrigued uh, about the conversation and certainly about the book inspired, because we are going to dive into that a little bit. I want to let you all know that we'll have a link to the book in the highlights. Section of our Instagram account, so all you'll be, all you'll have to do is go to that. No matter when it is that you're listening, you'll be able to buy the book. We're going to continue this conversation. So, if you have any interest in following along with us, of course, you can pop on our website or Instagram story and um, buy the book. We hope that you will start thinking about your religious ideas, your beliefs, and um, by all means, um, check out Rachel Held Evans. So remember, Try This at Home for this week and for the next several weeks is going to be to embrace challenging ideas and conversations in an effort to either support your convictions um and or broaden your horizons building upon what you already know and that's our discussion for today we hope that you'll share this discussion with those people that you communicate with and as always we are super grateful that you took the time to listen next week we're going to continue this conversation about inspired by rachel held evans we hope that you'll join us if you have any questions or comments We hope that you'll reach out to us on our website, www.trythisathomepodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Also, if you're so inclined, we'd love a rating and review so that other people will know what you think. And for now, this is Leslie and Leslyn hoping you'll try this at home.
1: All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.